A study, the first of its kind in the world, has found that people under the age of 40 risk their health if they drink more than a few sips of beer or wine per day and recommends that young people not drink alcohol at all. The study reports that young adults between the ages of 15 and 39 face only health risks, no benefits when drinking alcohol, and are also the most likely to drink excessively. This is a study from the Global Burden of Disease, and here to talk about it from the Department of Psychology at the University of Toronto's Professor Taryn Greider uh, to talk about this GBD World Study. Professor Greider, Taryn, good morning and welcome. Good morning, thank you. It's good of you to join us. Uh, were you surprised at all? This is a Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation uh, study, uh, and it's fairly widely encompassing. Uh, did the results surprise you? Not really, considering brain development. So I'm a neuroscientist, and we know that the brain continues to develop until about 30 years old, and then on from that... Uh, you're still getting new kind of connections between different areas of the brain and and very few new neurons developing, but still some. So it's not surprising that you know alcohol would kind of hamper that development. But I guess and that goes hand in glove, Taryn, with the other finding that those who are most at risk are also those who are most likely to drink excessively. Again, yeah. not too surprising, right? No, unfortunately not. You know, when people are younger, especially in teenage, late teenage years, early adulthood, they feel almost invincible. They don't think that bad things are going to happen to them. It's this kind of mentality that has to do with development of the brain as well in terms of the very front of the brain called the prefrontal cortex is the last to develop and it is the area that's important for impulse control and decision-making. So they're you know, thinking that they're you know, not going to suffer from any negative effects, and you know, they are not may not be making the best decisions. Hmm. Taryn, I'm quoting from a global news story that included quotes from you. This one says, uh, Currently, Canada's low-risk alcohol drinking guidelines suggest women should limit themselves to two standard drinks a day, men three standard drinks a day, which of course is above the level recommended by this study for 15 to 39-year-olds. And in the wake of the study, do you see any alterations in Canadian guidelines? I mean, that would be great. The thing is, those are low-risk guidelines, They and they put a little um, asterisk there and say it's not no risk. Right. It's just the low risk, and they're trying to kind of, yeah, make it so that people aren't drinking excessively. They're, you know, having the least risk to themselves. But, I mean, it would be good if they did update those guidelines in light of this new evidence, for should, sure. Yeah, let's talk about something else that also comes up automatically is because there's going to be some kind of, if if, uh, if the guidelines are to be taken seriously, uh, then there would be some shift of some sort culturally uh, happening. And again, I'm quoting from the Global News story, a culture shift in drinking is unlikely to happen the same way that attitudes changed about the use of tobacco, Taryn, because the danger isn't as immediately obvious. When lung cancer was the poster child against smoking, there's no similar big bad wolf tied to drinking. So again, it's not as immediately measurable an effect. 
Right, exactly. The problem is that you know we don't have these, I guess, case studies to point to. I mean, people can, of course, develop cirrhosis of the liver and other negative effects, but it just seems not as likely. Uh, the effects of alcohol are seemingly more psychological than physical uh, for most people. So we don't have that as you mentioned, big bad wolf to kind of say, okay, well, look what's happening. People are dying of, of lung cancer, even from secondhand smoke. Right. So it, it's harder to, yeah, kind of point to things that reasons why people should not do it. You can say, oh, well, you know, there's, there's long-term psychological effects and people say, oh, no, not, it's not going to happen to me. Well, you know, you're the psychologist in this conversation, and you talk about pent-up demand, Professor Greider. Uh, there's a whole lot of that going on, and this summer in particular is going to be the summer of, shall we say, to the very least, a considerable consumption. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we are coming out of the pandemic, right? We've been pretty limited the last couple summers, so people are wanting to go out and, and have fun and kind of live their life that they feel that they've been missing out on and been pretty isolated. So I would definitely say that this summer is, is going to be increased consumption. And also people you know, with stress, there's a big link with alcohol and other drug consumption. So we're seeing an increase overall, even before you know, the, guy, the restrictions were being lifted. Yeah. Oh, so I think that there's a lot of things going on leading to increased use. One thing that doesn't get mentioned a lot, and we have only a few minutes, moments left to do it, but it's important to note that sleep is not something that happens as a consequence of alcohol. In fact, you know, you have a few drinks to help, help you sleep. Well, in fact, drinking alcohol really interrupts sleeping and inhibits one's ability to have a good sleep, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. The, you know, there are different phases of sleep or stages of sleep and alcohol is decreasing a person's ability to get into that deep restorative sleep. So though they would be sleeping, they're not getting the, the sleep that they need to restore energy in their brain, really. Uh, Taryn, uh, only a couple of seconds left. Uh, this is a tough time to pitch this uh, study uh, in, in the middle of the summer, uh, especially the kind of summer of release that we're going through. Do you think it might stand a better chance, say, in October? Um, I guess possibly. Uh, hopefully people will be open to research evidence, and uh, there will probably be more studies that follow that are going to show the same thing. So well, hopefully people will be open to it. Yeah, well, it's a bit of an eye-popper for a lot of people, especially young people, but we do appreciate your taking a few moments to interrupt your, your Peterborough Saturday morning to, uh, to join <laughs> us here in Vancouver to at least uh, throw the idea out on the airwaves, and we'll see what happens sure. when the dust settles. Thanks, Taryn. Great to have you on the show. Thanks very much. Have for, a good day. You Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.